0: You're listening to Rosie on the House. Come on around back, Arizona, and join us here in the outdoor living hour. Time to talk anything and everything about your landscape garden lawns. 18-767-4348. That's 188-Rosie for you to talk to Mr. J. Harper. Text is four one one nine two three 923 during the broadcast. Or you can send an email to info at com if you need help with plant or insect identification. Mr. Harper. Good morning. Is this new?
1: No. No?
0: No.
1: Just usually keep it uh, (laughs) cropped a little tighter. Oh, okay.
0: (laughs) (laughs) What are we going to talk about this Saturday
1: morning? It's time to... Well, you know, there's... Still, a lot of gardening to be had out there. Of course, most people are in the Christmas mode now. They're shopping and panicking and wondering what they're going to do next for Christmas gifts and that sort of thing. But uh, you also, know, what I'm panicking. On I accidentally left let um, our rice
0: seed get rained on, and I haven't got it planted, so I'm sure it's no good anymore, sitting in the sack. And we have what two weeks left. Where two do weeks I find? left, or what? till Christmas where, Oh where do I get rye grass seed less than two lady? weeks by the way
1: It's like 10 days nine days I need 12 <laughs> I need 12 to get I don't this think you, I don't think you're gonna get it to germinate in 12 days but uh, I've, I have seen rye seed that's still available in a number of places. okay rye grass seed I should say um, so I don't think you'll have an issue. Uh, where did I see it the other day? I know evergreen turf still has some. I I, I don't think you'll have any problem finding it.
0: It's just it's not going to be
1: green by Christmas. oh uh, no, ah. not unless your your Bermuda's still green. No, no. So yeah. <laughs> sorry. Well, it probably isn't going to germinate in eight or ten days this time of year, but it will still come up. Um, if that right, you might get that ryegrass seed out. I throw it on anyway. I mean, what the heck? It's there. Yeah, give it a shot. I mean, maybe sometimes if. <laughs> You know, we use a lot of, <coughs> in the industry these days, pre-germinated seeds. So you may have some pre-germinated ryegrass seed in that bag starting to pop. And the problem was if you get a lot of mold or mildew or, you know, it gets all caked together <coughs> and gets moldy in there, it might not be any good. But what the heck, I, you might throw it on anyway. But I'd still go buy some new seed probably.
0: And this is usually the time we're already putting on our first
1: <coughs> fertilizer for the season. Well, that's a good point. If If... If you have mowed your lawn a couple of times, which, gosh, you should have by now, um, you want to make sure you do get a good fertilizer on there before we... We haven't really had a frost, at least in most places. There are some places... I was at a a golf course yesterday morning. It was 35 at about 9 o'clock. So they most likely had a frost there down Maricopa Way, um, but... uh, if you haven't had a frost yet, your your ryegrass is still doing great. The problem is a lot of people don't know, you know, how much of that lawn is ryegrass and how much of it's still Bermuda that's still green. And when we get one or two frosts, you know, then we really find out how good our ryegrass is. So get some fertilizer on there so that ryegrass that is there continues to to keep going and keep going strong and doesn't yellow out on you as well. So fertilizing winter lawns, keeping your... Uh, vegetable garden, your winter vegetable garden, good and nourished and the nutrition and fertility up in that is a good idea. Um, If you've got poinsettias and those traditional Christmas gift plants around the house, remember they are tropical. They don't like cold. They don't like drafts. They don't like big fluctuations in temperatures. So a lot of people put them outside, including myself. You just have to watch where you're You don't leave them outside overnight. But if it's going to get cold in a night or two, you want to bring them inside. Um, You don't want to keep them too wet. They don't like to be soggy wet. If you've got them in those foil pot covers that they come in, you know, poke a hole in the bottom of those or take them out of those to water because they'll sit in that water. I've been guilty of this myself. And then the plant will die because it stays too wet. Um, Bright light, not dark rooms. Don't put them by the fireplace. Don't put, just like with your, if you have an actual fresh cut Christmas tree, or maybe you cut one yourself, uh, you know, don't put it where the heater's blowing on it or the fire's drying it out too bad. Keep it away from a drafty door, uh, that sort of thing. So um, those will last you a good long time. Uh, You know, we've got people that, uh, I know people that have Christmas cactus that are generations old, that they've been handed down from one generation to the other, again, tropical succulent type plant that that likes constant temperatures if possible, warm, bright light conditions. Um, Other than that, you know, it's just kind of maintaining. Now, you can still plant, you know, your cold hardy winter vegetables all winter long. There's a lot of of farming operations that once they've harvested a lot of leafy greens will come back in with a second crop. You've got plenty of time to, to do any of the leafy greens and the root crops, if you haven't done it yet or maybe you want to do another shot. That's why our, our winter garden is, uh, yeah, you can't grow tomatoes and peppers very well in the cold weather. But, you know, it's a good long season where you can do multiple crops one after the other and uh, and have it going for a long time. But make sure you keep that fertility up uh, because with short season plants, the worst thing that can happen is that they kind of quit growing or harden off or slow down. So. Make sure you've got a lot of that good farm's choice organic fertilizer on hand.
0: My best years of gardening between Thanksgiving and December, I'm replanting a lot of things. Radishes, you know, that's—especially with kids, you've got to have something, you know, your your easy, fast-growing success story to— you know, yeah, they want have pretty something instant to come to harvest. gratification, <laughs>
1: right? They don't want, they don't have a lot of patience. So,
0: they know. don't eat the radishes, but they come yeah, up quick they still and like they, to see <laughs> them
1: grow. You know it's amazing yeah. though when kids grow their own what they'll eat that they wouldn't otherwise normally eat if they've been involved in the process of growing it. A lot of times you get them to try those things cuz they grew it. That is very true. That otherwise they wouldn't. So, just keep that in mind if you got kids. And you know, if you don't have a lot of space or outdoor space, a lot of these things will do very well in containers and pots uh you know, in small spaces. Uh, the uh square foot gardening concept or growing things in containers and pots works very well.
0: And I've become more and more a fan of that. I originally it's it's got to go in the ground, You're just stuck in that you know, row garden concept. Uh-huh. And I just don't have the time to keep the soil the way it needs to be mm-hmm. and continue to add in the nutrients. You buy a sacked thing of Mel's Mix or, you know, there, there's any number of different pre-made bags. You just, it doesn't have to go into a container. You would mentioned the square foot garden. That's a concept of getting a 12 by 12.
1: One plant for one square <laughs> foot, you and, know, in very tight spaces. We grow very intensively. In small spaces, you can do the same thing with a, with a decorative pot on your patio. It doesn't have to be flowers. It can be spinach, or it can be onions, or it can be a combination above, or, or herbs, uh, you yeah, know that sort of thing. We keep, we keep, you know, we've got rosemary, basil, chives, thyme, cilantro, and sage, all in pots on the back patio. So when you know, Trina's doing a little cooking. She can just go out there and snip some stuff off. We use a lot of fresh herbs, and we have that year-round, except for the cilantro.
0: And how often do you have to re uh, repot it? You know, will that soil be good for two years? Will that be good well, for Well, the year? soil
1: technically never goes bad. The, nutri- the n- fertility in the soil will go, especially in containers when you're watering and leaching out. Uh, as it gets warmer, you're watering a lot. You're leaching fertility out of out of your containers pretty rapidly. So you want to make sure you continually add fertilizer, whether it's a liquid or slow-release granule or an organic like Farms Choice or what, whatever your choice is. You you got to remember that in, things in containers uh, need more water and they need more nutrition, um, more fertility. So. Uh, the soil is simply a mechanism for holding the roots and holding the plant in place and holding moisture. I mean, you know, you grow things hydroponically without soil at all. So technically doesn't ever go bad, um, especially a potting mix that's really soilless anyway. It's a mixture of, you know, some type of fiber like peat moss or cocoa or, or something with some perlite and some sand and some stuff like that. So, it, it doesn't go bad, it just loses fertility. So you have to keep replacing that. It gets dried out, you might want to get it moistened up before you plant, that sort of thing.
0: If you'd like to join the conversation or have a plant garden question, it's one 767 4348 That's one Tri8 rosie for you. Text us four one one nine two three. 923 We actually do have an email in here. We'll look at during the break if somebody sent in wants to know what kind of tree they're looking at. Uh, so you can send those images into info at If you're looking for a little help on plant or insect identification, whatever it is you need, the Arizona homeowner, or about your landscape or garden, here, Rosie on the house. <laughs> Faith has emailed us a picture of a tree. She wanted to know what it was she was looking at. And, Jay, you think it is
1: an ash tree? Sure looks like it to me from what I can tell, the leaf structure and pattern. And looks like some type of ash. Which which variety of ash I don't really know. That want. was my next
0: question. How many different varieties of ash?
1: There's, a, there's quite a few, a number of them that don't grow here. But we have a, a native Arizona ash called Arizona ash, obviously. That's a native tree here. grows... Riparian areas along stream beds in the in the low desert. Uh, that's that's a great tree for here.
0: My neighbor's got two in his front lawn, and you can see it from about two miles away. They're easily forty feet tall, and they've just got this beautiful canopy. And what really sticks out is this fall time. It's the first thing that changes color big, on the entire big
1: golden <laughs> orangish valley. yellow. Yeah, it's, it's stark contrast with you don't get a lot of color fall color here. So it's fun to see in Arizona ash or a Chinese. The Chinese pistachios this year are very pretty, uh, and they're turning right now. So, yeah, a little fall color now and then is kind of nice. And somebody sending
0: in that image, they're obviously looking to plant a tree. It, for a deciduous tree, is that, you said that riparian area, is that something that's going to be pretty water-thirsty? Is there?
1: Well, ash trees are a little bit water-thirsty. I mean, they, you don't want to stick them out in a granite xeriscape landscape they 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 need to be probably in a grassy area or a little pocket of your landscape you know mm. so keep that in mind where are you planting the tree how big does it get what are its water requirements you know we get we see that a lot with with uh, purple leaf plums people putting them in rock and then the you know the survival rate on those are very low. The same way with ash, they 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 sunburn pretty badly if they're not getting enough water. You probably ought to paint the trunks anyway on a new ash tree or wrap it. This it, picture it did look like that bark was pretty pretty blackened, yeah, <laughs> pretty damaged tree over the years. People over prune them, um, don't water them enough, put them in a rock landscape. Probably not the best tree for that. It's a it's a tree that needs to be in. Arcadia or, you know, Central Phoenix, or that's where you see something the really irrigation. nice ones, flood irrigation, or in a grass, grassy area where it gets plenty of water. And you had mentioned paint. That's not something
0: that you go buy your uh, ex- exterior latex paint from. You Fray-Z. want to use, a,
1: you want to use a, a formulated tree paint. And there are some natural, or is a natural colored one, if you don't want the white trunk sitting out in your front yard. Um, go natural tree paint, it's called. It's available at most of the nurseries around town. And, and you can't even tell there's tree paint on it from a distance. So that's the one I really like. Um, I The white works great. It works fine. It just doesn't uh, it look just, like... <laughs> uh, it just looks like, you know, it kind of... If I don't want the focal point of my whole landscape to be that one tree trunk in the middle of my front yard.
0: And you have to reapply it if it's a new tree. I put I painted our ash tree when they were you know three years old and that only lasted about two years by say a the year, bark year or two or growing. three the,
1: the bark grows or it just like any paint it comes off. So yeah keep it painted. and if you're adverse to painting you can wrap with breathable materials. they make tree wrap which is you know comes in a roll and you just you just wrap it on like an ace bandage around a, around your sprained elbow but you just kind of wrap it um, and that works fine. It doesn't last as long, typically. It deteriorates pretty rapidly. That is something that's hard when you're managing your trees,
0: too. Uh, People trim them up, and they're trying to get them to grow tall and do shade. So many of them are trying to bring their branches down to shade their trunk as a way to protect from the sun, you know, it's not that the tree's growing bad, it's it's growing to protect itself, and we constantly trim it up, and wow. trim it up, and trim it up. And
1: <laughs> Well, and a lot of things that we're doing that, too, really aren't aren't technically true. Like, citrus is really a, a shrub. It, it grows bushy, it grows to the ground for a reason. It does not have a, you know, a, a lot of sclerified tissue, which becomes bark, um, as we know it, like an oak tree does. So... You know, those smooth skin trees or really shrubs that we're turning into trees really need to be protected uh, if you're gonna if you're gonna trim them up. And I understand that you're having them in a lawn, you wanna have lawn underneath, you wanna be able to use the space, but you need to protect the, the plant
0: and it is 8:20 real quick generally speaking we have a pair of tickets that we give away and we do that at 9:20 but we have three different sets of tickets this week Uh-oh. so we're going to do it all 3 hours from here through all the rest right. of the broadcast awesome. uh this one is for ASU basketball tickets uh, let's see it is and the trivia question you text the answer to 411923 and anyone that has the answer right between now and The end of this programming segment here in about two and a half minutes. You'll be picked at random, and we'll send you the tickets. This is for January's third game. Uh, It's a 2 o'clock. It's not first pitch in basketball. What are you doing? Tip-off. Tip-off. 2 o'clock tip-off. What high school did Rosie attend here in Arizona? Oh, I know that. I was going to say, you can't (laughs) cheat. (laughs) (laughs) That answer is in our home maintenance calendar. It's actually... uh, in the month of April, that's Rosie's high school picture is featured there. If you don't have our home maintenance calendar, it's at com. Just select calendar, select April, and you'll see it right there. Well, and you were one year? Two. Two, two year. behind. Mm-hmm. Two year behind.
1: Same school, so if you know mine, you know his. So. <laughs> <laughs> Which I don't know why anybody would know it. Did, did y'all anyway. play football together? Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. Okay. Who was the better player? I ask you'll have to ask Rosie that. I don't know sure.
0: <laughs> Well, and Rosie will tell I you. I want to go benches. on record. <laughs> it was Jay Harper. Ro- Rosie will tell you that he got benched by the underclassmen. And your running record was there thirty years before it was broken. Something. I don't know. Something I, like yeah. that.
1: Well, I think one of my brothers broke it. <laughs> it's been broken a lot since. <laughs> <laughs> Chapra wasn't very. <laughs> <laughs> Oops. We'll see who's listening. Uh, yeah. We weren't very good in those days. It's a powerhouse now, but um, it was easy to set records. <laughs> so well, and in we that time, good.
0: Th- that was the edge of <clears throat> town.
1: Oh, yeah. It was a country school, you know. It was people rode horses to school class. No, <laughs> not really, but they could have. It was, you could see the it was sitting out there all by itself in the middle of the desert. So well, so much for that trivia. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we'll still give the tickets away. So. And the Outdoor Living Hour with Jay Harper. Uh, anything about your garden landscape? We've talked through winter lawn transition. We helped Faith pick uh, a tree out. You had mentioned citrus a minute ago. We're uh, hoping for a freeze, and your citrus can freeze.
1: Particularly the fruit. The trees themselves, it, it's it got to get really cold to damage Trees, you know, but um, what you want to do is if it's going to get super duper cold. Right now is when all our most of our citrus fruits are ripening. I just picked some tangerines and tangelos yesterday. and Last night they're getting good, you know. And it, the cold is what gets that color to the fruit, but the fruit is what you don't want to get damaged with the with a hard freeze.
0: And to protect that, we'll have a couple uh, ideas and ways to do that. and the The most important thing is if you're going to use a frost cloth or something. Uh, that you need to go out and get. Don't wait till the freeze because by the time the freeze happens, you can't find those anywhere. Yeah, it'll be gone. Stores clear out in seconds. This is Lori Lund, president of Rebath and Kitchens. When choosing a remodeler, ask these questions. Are they licensed and insured? Pull permits? Check for lead? Will they be there if you have a problem? Remodeling is a big deal. Make sure you're in the right hands. Serving the valley for 40 years, Rebath and Kitchens is a company you can trust. Visit one of our showrooms today or call us to schedule a free in-home consultation. Call 480-998-8900.
2: ROC number 270
0: On this Arizona Saturday morning, you are tuned in to Rosie on the House. We're right in the middle of our 8 o'clock hour, our outdoor living hour. We've got a couple text questions that we'll address here in a moment. But as we were going to the break, preventing a frost from uh, the citrus in particular, you don't want to lose any of your fruit. Will a frost cloth be enough on those hard freezes that come about every 10 years? And and we're getting close. The last hard freeze goes back about seven, eight years. That's Um, about right.
1: You know, it just depends on how, how hard the freeze is. Um, frost cloth will get you a couple, three degrees, and sometimes that's, sometimes that's all you need. Um, there's two things with with the damage that occurs from, from freezing, the, the actual temperature and then how long it stays that way. So, it, you know, you can have, it may not get maybe terribly cold, um, but if you get 28 degrees or thereabouts, and it stays that way for a number of hours, you're going to have some damage. Um, but uh, we don't worry too much about superficial foliage damage. You know, bougainvilleas, lantana, those types of things with, you know, heck at 32 degrees, they're going to start, they're going to get a little burnt leaves. And, and we're going to lose some leaves and some some of maybe the, the smaller limbs and branches, <clears throat> Those are very fast-growing plants. In fact, sometimes it's the best thing that can happen is it forces you to do what we call a revegetative pruning. You have to actually go out and, and trim, do a hard prune in the early spring. And those plants flush out, and they're beautiful, and we're not just constantly shearing. And 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 that's a whole nother subject about pruning we won't get into necessarily. But we don't worry about that, and we don't worry about really... Uh, foliage damage even on citrus. It's the fruit and the main trunk. So when we start getting below 28 degrees with a lot of our subtropical plants, citrus included, that's when we start seeing damage occur to the plant itself. And what you don't want to have happen is have, you know, the main structure, the main branches and limbs and the trunks start freezing. That's, that's when you get it. Even, the, even if the fruit freezes, I mean, the plant will survive, but you've lost your fruit. So getting back to that, if you are going to get a hard freeze, particularly the fruit on the outside edge, you might want to pick that before you cover it, then cover it. If the tree is so large that you can't cover the foliage, remember we don't really care that much about the foliage. I mean it it will grow back. It looks bad wrapping the trunk. You know, keeping that trunk from freezing on a lot of t- trees, tr- jacarandas and citrus and yeah, ficus and those types of trees, at least saving that main trunk and keeping it from, uh, from sunburning will allow the tree then to recover more rapidly and live uh, for a long time. If that main trunk freezes, bark starts peeling off, you get all kinds of other secondary uh, uh, infections and, and uh, implications that can start shortening the life of the tree.
0: Sonia had texted in from the north side of the Shaw Butte area of Phoenix and wants to know about a companion plant for a mission fig that she has in a pot. The area they're in has a lot of caliche, so they're putting it in a pot instead of trying to dig it and dig through the caliche and put it in the ground. Uh, Wants to know about success for it and can she put any type of companion plant with
1: it? You know, if the the container is big enough, and you want to end up in a pretty good sized container for a mission fig which is, a again, figs grow like a big bush, typically. Um, and, and they will do okay in containers, but it's going to have to be something sizable, maybe 24 to 36 inches in diameter uh, to keep that tree really productive uh, for a long time. I, I don't see why you couldn't plant, you know, if you wanted something decorative, you know, in the summertime, especially that sweet potato vine would do very well in a container around a, around a fig tree. Uh, this time of year you could plant you know why why not plant some something like lettuce or leaf lettuce or something around the base of it if you want flowers geraniums pansies petunias would do very well
0: they've grafted a plant that they call uh, French fries and ketchup and it's a pot that you oh, yeah. <laughs> you buy the pot and the plant that comes out is uh, the rootstock has both a tomato vine and and a potato vine grafted onto it, so then you get your your potatoes and your tomatoes out of the same there plant. There you
1: go.
0: <laughs> that's companion planting. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's the
1: ultimate companion planting where they're grafted using the potatoes the rootstock, and the and the tomato as the uh, as the above ground plant. Yeah, I'd be interesting to see how that works. Of course, you'd have to then pull the plant out to re- to uh, harvest the potatoes. So you better pick your tomatoes first. Then harvest your potatoes.
0: <laughs> Ray from Apache Junction is not a fan of our Bermuda grass or overseeding. Uh, he wants to know, is there an evergreen lawn that'll last in
1: the desert year round? Not really, no, no, nothing that would stay completely green year round. If he doesn't want to overseed, doesn't want artificial, one thing to consider would be to actually paint it in the winter time. Yeah.
0: And I figured out that's the golf courses cheat and do that a lot. They go out there and they paint their grass to keep it looking green. Sometimes, if
1: they're having a tournament or a lot of times athletic, you know, you look at a football field in the winter. Um, a lot of times, yeah, they've planted a winter They've planted ryegrass or a cool season grass, but they also then will will paint if they have to to, especially if it's going to be on TV.
0: Yeah. So that's what something we used to get questions on constantly. How do I get my lawn to look like the golf course
1: will well, you paint it <laughs> well that but they also if you go out there right you know they haven't painted they they fertilize <laughs> they they put a lot of fertilizer on they keep their fertility very high because you don't want that grass to harden off and yellow out when it gets cold so um you know if you if you want to have a golf course looking grass you have to to do what they do which is Water a lot, fertilize a lot, mow a lot, and and uh, and that they full time crews that do nothing but that. So
0: let's get to Frank. We've got an interesting text question that's in uh, as well about a palo verde tree that's gotten eaten by a horse, and they want to know the chance of survival. Uh, I would say just probably time to do some tree planting. But you can send text to four one one nine two three, or if you'd like to talk to Jay, it's one triple eight. Seven six seven four three four eight. That's one rosie for you. We'll bring Frank and Tucson into the conversation. Welcome, sir. Hello. Yes, sir.
2: Yeah, see, uh, I hope I get a good positive answer here. I've got a commemorative tree uh, for my wife uh, that's been planted about three years. It's a, it's a heritage oak tree, mm-hmm. and it's a bad story in as much. It was a gorgeous tree doing very well. In the ground, maybe four years. Uh, probably the age of the tree when we bought it, uh, as she passed, was oh, a 10-year, maybe a 15-year-old tree. Somehow, some way, it did not get water. Every leaf turned brown in the summer. We caught it in time, we think, or I think. And they said that if they water it and they put Thrive in there and kind of watch it, it did rebound to some extent. And about half of the leaves came back green okay now cyclically that's into the fall and winter i want to know if everything is going to be okay i I know there's no way of knowing it but is it going to make it uh as a commemorative tree
1: well you know it's a live oak so it's not going to lose its leaves for the winter Um, and, and it'll stay green through the winter months if you're getting you won't see a lot of new growth now until it warms up this spring
2: so okay not till the spring that's what i kind so of so you're going to have to wait till
1: till march or april to really get an idea of what has come what is coming back what's still alive or not but sounds like you're, you're probably okay
0: and do all the same things you would if it looked w- look normal water at the same way fertilize it the same way it's the slow days are shorter uh, so there's like you said not a lot of growth it's once we start getting the warm you'll start seeing shoots and you you always talk
1: about the the thumbnail test yeah if you if you have a and this applies to the freezing situation too if you want to make sure a limb is so maybe the leaves all fell off um, whether it got too dry or froze or whatever if you just take your thumbnail and scratch the you know little bit of outer uh, layer of Growth on the on the limb, and if it's green or bright green underneath, you know that limb is still alive, and and chances are it's going to rejuvenate and regrow some foliage. So hang in there with it.
0: Would you give it a little extra fertilizer, or is it still wait till I wouldn't the do any starts?
1: fertilizing now until you start getting some new growth. Fertilizing trees this time of year, with the soil temperature being really cool, and and there's just not much going on with the plant. It, you, kind of a waste of fertilizer. Well, kind of not that it wouldn't, you know, maybe sit in the soil and be uh, available when the plant did need it. But uh, we want to fertilize when things are really growing or just prior to it. So,
0: Even if they're for an evergreen tree, they're still, this is quote, kind of a dormant season. They're, they didn't lose their leaves, but
1: they're still pretty. You know, dormant The microorganisms that, that have to break down those uh, whether it's organic or, or conventional fertilizer, that have to help break that down to convert it so it's a usable form by the plant are just super lethargic in the cold te- soil temperatures. So, so am I. Yeah. Well, exactly. It's, you know, get up this morning. <laughs> it's dark outside. You don't want to go outside. It's cold, right? Um, so they're, they're the same way. So as the soil temperatures warm up, their activity warms up. They start breaking things down more quickly, that's more available to the plant. The plant is growing. It's just kind of, a, it all works together. So putting fertilizer on this time of year on, on things that aren't growing, like trees and shrubs, is, is probably not the most effective thing to do. Now, putting some organic material like mulches or compost or organic fertilizer on the soil, because it's slow to break down anyway, will give you some Benefit, especially as the plant as the soil starts to warm up, it'll be ready and right there, available to to be used by the plant.
0: Keep us posted, Frank. We hope your commemorative tree survives and thrives, and you got to give us an update come springtime. Let's bring Greg into the conversation. He wants to talk to Mr. Harper. Some question about some white flies. Welcome, Greg.
2: Hey, good morning. So I've got a grapevine in my yard, and I had white flies, and this was more. They've stopped now. I would say it was maybe two months ago they stopped, but I had them for a couple months on the grapevine, and so I took Dawn soap, maybe two tablespoons, mixed it in my Hudson sprayer with water, sprayed it. It, for the most part, got rid of them, but not entirely. And the grape, the leaves just now have shriveled up to nothing, which might be normal for this time of the year, but it just seemed to, like, kind of kill the the vine. Is there anything I should do to bring it back or, let's say, next time when that happens?
1: Well, that becomes a little bit of the issue using things like soap as an insecticide is they can burn the foliage. Now, the grapevine would probably be starting, if not already, losing its leaves for the winter anyway. They go they go deciduous. They lose their leaves during the winter months, <clears throat> which is also a good thing if they had white fly and things like that on them. That's, you know, they're going to go away. Make sure you, you probably clean up or rake up all of that foliage in case there's eggs there, that sort of thing. You know, maybe don't leave it. I like leaving yeah. leaves on the ground as mulch if possible, but if you've had a lot of insect infestation on them, you might want to clean them up. I, I probably wouldn't do anything now until you start to see new growth in the spring. As far as whitefly, is generally a fall, late summer, early fall Uh, incident. That's when we see the most of it. There are some organic or natural sprays that work pretty well for that. There's some light oil type sprays uh, that work very well. Um, So you might consider that as opposed to trying to guess on how to mix a, a detergent soap product, which will certainly kill the whiteflies just by encapsulating them and coating them and killing them. But it can do some damage to your plant if you're not careful.
0: On this Saturday morning, we'll jump back on the texts that have come in, get through these listeners' questions. You can text to 411923. Or join the conversation at one triple eight seven six seven four three four eight. This person uh, in particular, their horse ate the bark off of their Palo Verde tree. Says has never done that before, but oh well. Uh, any chance this tree will survive? I don't have any experience with horses eating paloverdes, but I will tell you: if your goat eats the bark off your ash, Toast. the ash tree will die. Yeah. <laughs> And so uh, does the goat. Yeah, and, and, and you have <laughs> and not because of anything. It, you <laughs> have
1: goat roast that night for goat pot roast, right? Um, well, it depends on how much of the bark it ate. You know, and how you know, anytime bark gets removed from from any tree, it's not a good thing. Uh, that's why the sunburning. We're talking about wrapping trunks. If that sunburn, if that bark gets sunburned and comes off and exposes, you know, the, the next layer of tissue. Um, you know, the tree basically, it's like putting a tourniquet around your arm. You start cutting off the circulation to your, the rest, to the extremities of your arm, same way with a, with a tree. Um, and they kind of slowly die. Now, one thing plants will do is they'll compartmentalize. They'll seal off. If it's just one little chunk on one side, it, it, the plant has the ability to kind of seal those or compartmentalize that off, um, and, and you might be okay. So, you know, without a picture of seeing this. So I guess the rule there would be how far around the trunk did it go? If it's if it's maybe a fourth of the way around, you might be okay. If it's halfway, eh, you're probably in trouble. If it's more than that, you're definitely. But the good thing is it's a palaverdi. So it's a pretty vigorous, fast-growing, hardy uh, species and, and, it, and it might recover from that.
0: And, I would still plant another <laughs> You
1: Yeah, know, if it's not <laughs> terribly <in> case. <laughs> Well, if it's not terribly old, if it's a younger tree and you're not very far down the road, you might be better. You might be okay. Just go ahead. But if it's an older tree, you know, this can be hard to replace, you might want to just wait and see.
0: Stan texted in and wants to know about what type of fertilizer should he put on his
1: rye lawn at the beginning of that hour we talked about you know, if you planted fertilizing winter lawns yeah you want to make sure you're feeding them about once a month or so depending on what you use so on the organic side of course we would recommend the farm's choice you know organic uh, fertilizer we have a pellet uh, product that works great on winter lawns um, on the conventional side turf royale is probably the the number one thing that most of your professionals use, it's a good uh, uh, product that's available that, that that has some ammonium nitrate as part of the nitrogen uh, product. And it uh, is more readily available in the colder weather than some other products. So, And when we talk
0: local, a big part of this program, we love to connect people with the local industry around them, local businesses. Uh, organics are a big part of... Uh, garden talk 20 years ago organic was never mentioned it's just it is well, what it were is weird, you were a weirdo
1: <laughs> 20 years ago if you're talking about organics like oh wow
0: <laughs> there, there's nothing more organic than the farm's choice <laughs> no there's not
1: no there's not it's it's what we do it's all we do you can go on our website and find out where our products are available pretty much valley statewide even um, and uh, in a number of different forms
0: and this is all and you've got liquid now
1: we have a liquid that we're selling on. commercially. Okay. We don't really have a liquid for any, uh, for in small quantities yet, but it, commercially starting to be used. Uh, we're, we're getting there. But uh, yeah, these products are all obviously the Hickman family's in the egg business. If you have eggs, you got to have chickens. If you have chickens, you got to feed them. If you feed them, you end up with chicken manure and lots of it. So we take the chicken manure products and and uh, chicken manure and make various products out of it um, from pathogen-free, food-safe, pasteurized, heat-treated products for our organic leafy greens uh, customers in Yuma and across the state to uh, pelletized golf course turf quality products for for lawn and garden use uh, to just unscreened bulk materials that a lot of farms will use for pre-plant or for orchards or... Or uh, farmers that want organic but don't need uh, the pasteurized food safe uh, protocols.
0: The last text question we'll get to here: Shane and Mesa wants to know about how to get the paint off of his citrus tree trunk. I think what I would tell him is just get the natural paint and paint over the, the white Absolutely. instead of trying to. Yeah, you probably strip do more off.
1: damage than good trying to trying to get it off. Sometimes it'll start flaking off if it's been on there a long time, and you can just take a. Uh, You know, kind of a, don't take a wire brush, but a kind of a stiffer type brush and, and knock off what's flaking off. But you're right. If you don't want the white, just paint over the white with the go natural.
0: Next hour is the open line hour. If you've got a question about your home, castle, or cabin, you can call in at one 767 4348 That's one rosie for you. We're also going to bring in uh, our local realtor. We were talking last week just about all the different uh, articles and stories and headlines going on about the real estate. We've got a lot of visitors in from out of town. I can't tell you how many of those visitors are going to end up being local residents, but... You meet people a lot. What brought you to Phoenix? Well, even our 7 o'clock hour guest. Yeah. Rockin' Reggie. It was
1: snowing in (laughs) Detroit. (laughs) When I got here, it was 70 degrees. (laughs) Boom. (laughs)
0: We'll talk about the real estate market and take your calls here at Rosie on the House. (laughs)